welcome to the How Not to Screw Up Your Kids podcast. So, pour yourself a cuppa, find a comfy seat and enjoy the conversation. This is episode 58 and today's episode is all about the school holidays and how not to just survive them, but thrive through them. Cliché, I know, but bear with me. Now, some of you who will be listening to this episode as it's been launched, will be listening to it in the school summer holidays. But all of the advice that I'm giving is relevant regardless of the holiday that it happens to be. Now, there will be some of you who are incredibly excited about the school holidays. You always are. And that's wonderful. What I would say is for most of us, there's a little bit of enjoyment because obviously it means that we're no longer racing around like headless chickens, doing school runs, after school activities, here, there and everywhere, managing multiple things. So there's an element of that bit, but there's also a bit of trepidation because suddenly we've got everybody home. And if it's the school, summer holidays, Easter holidays, Christmas holidays, they're long holidays. There are children at home for a considerable amount of time and the reality is there are very few of us out there who are not juggling something else as well. So it can feel quite stressful when in fact it can be less stressful. Now I'm going to be I'm a realist so I'm not going to paint it a picture that says that school holidays can always be these wonderful calm joyous affairs However, they can be less stressful with a few tweaks and a little bit of planning in advance. I love a bit of planning, a little bit of organisation, but it really can be a lot less stressful if we put some of these principles in place. Now, we have a bumper lot of giveaways this time. With this particular episode, we are giving away, in essence, what used to be a sold course that we used to sell to cover Um, not just the school holidays, but just in terms of prepping children and and creating a harmonious environment at home. So I'm going to tell you twice about the resources just so that you you don't forget to go and get them. So for those of you who are already um, have access to my free resource library, then it'll just get loaded in with all the other free resources. If you are new to the podcast, or maybe you've listened to the podcast before, but haven't actually registered for the free resources, you register for the free resources in my resource library by clicking to drmaryhan.com forward slash library. Now, you'll be asked for your email address and in exchange, you then get instant access not only to this week's set of resources, but all the other resources across all my other podcast episodes. And I'll remind you at the end as well. So let's just start with, I guess, a little bit of background before we go into the tips and strategies. And the tips and strategies I'm going to go through are a little bit of a mixture between just general tips and actual specific things specific strategies I'm going to walk you through and talk you through and then you're going to have a downloadable resource so you can actually use it. What I would say is the earlier you start the more organised you get the easier it genuinely becomes. Now I know what it's like near the end of any school term there is a frenetic set of activities and plays or parents evening whatever it is regardless of the school holiday it is, there is often a huge amount to get organised. And certainly if you are also then booking a family holiday where you're actually going away from home, then there can be a huge amount to do. But I 
can genuinely say the earlier you start thinking about these things, the better it is for everybody. Because I'm a big fan, particularly in the summer holidays, of getting everyone involved. Now, I know the reality is, and I'm sorry, dads, but the reality is that generally speaking, school holidays are organised by mum. Now, mum can be juggling multiple things, a career, a job, parenting, a whole host of other things. And in lots of ways, we do it because, well, I've always done it because I didn't trust anyone else to do as good a job, if I'm honest. But you may have your own reasons for it. But I do think that the more we can get others involved and really genuinely make it a family affair, the better it is. So let's talk about planning just generally. Now, I'm a huge fan of Sunday planning meetings. I've talked about these before. And these are simply not formalised, minuted meetings. But in essence, they're an opportunity for the whole family to get together round a table and just have a bit of a discussion about how the week has been, what have been, what's worked, what hasn't worked, and then start looking ahead to the week that's coming and what are the challenges that might be being presented and how as a family you can problem solve and put things in place. So in essence, when you're looking at the school holidays, it's like a monumentally rather large family meeting because not only are you looking at the week ahead, but you're looking really broadly speaking at the whole summer um, and what might need to be put in place or the whole Christmas holidays or the whole Easter holidays, whatever those are. I'm just recording this around the summer time. So you may find I slip into summer holiday mode, but it really does work for everything. Now, I am a massive, massive fan of lining paper. So let me explain. So when you go to DIY stores, they sell paper, which you can hang on your walls that make the walls, if they're bumpy, smooth, which you can then paint over or you might then wallpaper over. Basically lining paper in the UK. For those of you listening in other countries, you'll have something similar. It's like a great big roll of paper. And what I find is when you're doing anything that is requires planning or thinking, yeah, you can get out normal paper, but normal paper is boring and children basically don't engage with it in the same way. You get out a roll of lining paper and they can write on this huge reel with huge handwriting with great big fat pens and suddenly it's more interesting. So I recommend getting a really large roll of paper and what you want to really do is get your entire family to write their wish list this is part of the planning so you write their wish list these are our holidays we're going to be at home for two three four five six eight weeks whatever it is that your children's holidays are in this particular holiday that you're planning what are what are the things that you want to do if you could choose what we did in the holidays what would you choose to do? And get each child to create their own list. Now, we're set, now you're setting expectations. I'm not saying that we're going to do all of these things, but what's really important is this is a holiday. This is around the time that we're all going to be together as a family for various different periods of time through the holidays. And we want to make sure that we're able to at least do something for, from each person's list. So that's the bit. You're starting to plan early. Now that gives you an idea of what your children want to do, but it also should include activities and things that you want to do. And it must also include some of the must, some of the non-negotiable, some of the things that are happening. And that might be fun stuff. You might be going on a family holiday and you're going away from home. It might be activities, maybe a summer school that your children are going to, maybe a tennis camp or a horse riding camp, 
or an education camp, whatever that might be. Maybe they're going away with friends. Maybe they're staying with their grandparents. Maybe you've got some very specific work commitments that are going to mean that you're going to be away from home or completely uncontactable. So these are the things you start off with the wish list because that's what we're trying to get our children to do is engage in this process. And then you start blocking out all of the things that have to definitively happen. They're non-negotiables. They are at parts of the holidays that need to happen. And that's the planning bit. So that's the kind of overview before I launch into my five strategies. So before you start doing some of these other things, you really want to do a bit of that planning because planning is so key. Getting organised in advance is helpful. And then you can see what you're left with. You can see where you can implement these five things that I'm going to tell you about. So that's the that's a big thing. And um, everyone gets involved and it's really fun and exciting. So let's start with my five strategies. And the first one isn't really necessarily a strategy, but a I often call these health warnings. But the first one is set realistic expectations. Let's get real about what these holidays are likely to entail. You are likely to need to work and that's okay. Don't try and shoehorn your work, which is a whole day's piece of work, into two hours in between dropping off your children and doing various bits and pieces or agreeing to go somewhere with your children and hoping that you'll be back in time to put the work in. Be realistic. If you need to do some work, that's okay. You're a great parent doing a great job modelling balance. So that's the first thing. Set realistic expectations. So if you need to work, that's okay. The children are likely to go on their devices more than you'd ideally like. So manage your expectations. Don't start the holiday saying, right, that's it. No devices. You're only going to go on for half an hour and then beat yourself up with guilt when they've been on there for five or six hours or even all day. Yeah, we need to get real. Now, clearly, we don't want our children on and our teens on devices all day, every day through their summer holidays. But we need to be realistic about certain periods of time during the holidays where we might have specific commitments, where our children have have potentially exhausted other things to do and their devices are going to become their main thing that particular day or for that afternoon or for that chunk of time. That's why we set realistic expectations. We're going to need to work and that's okay. The children are likely to go on their devices more than we'd ideally like. Children are likely to complain they are bored, probably more so than they ought to but they're going to. Let's set up our expectations. Let's know that that's coming rather than being surprised, indignant and frustrated with them. And let's also set realistic expectations around the fact that siblings will inevitably argue. Our children are not going to get on blissfully well throughout the whole holiday. They are going to irritate and niggle and get on each other's last nerves and be annoying. And that is a normal part of growing up. That's a normal part of sibling behaviours and patterns. Being aware of it, which is why getting organised and planning is so key, because what we can then do is be mindful that when we have chunks of time or days when we're at home and there's huge sort of gaps in it and maybe our attention is drawn away because we've got other commitments, whether that's work or other things, we can plan into that. We can be aware that this is likely to happen because we know, let's not be surprised by it. 
And what we can then do is try and manage that situation and try and minimise the likelihood that the arguments are going to become explosive and that we find ourselves refereeing our children constantly, which if you have listened to the sibling episode, you will know I'm not a fan of us refereeing. Well, I'm not a fan of us refereeing anything that we haven't seen. But that is a previous episode, so do go and listen to that because it is helpful. But what I'm simply saying with this first sort of point is we have to get real about this. Let's forget what we might see on our social media feeds. Let's forget what we're hearing from friends who are so looking forward to the summer holidays. And it's so wonderful we're all going to be together. And we always have such a great time and the children get on so blissfully well. And there's never an argument. There's never a crossword. They're so helpful. Yep, that might happen in some families for a short period of time. But let's get real. Families are made up of a bunch of human beings who are this ball of emotions, who get irritable, who get tired, who get frustrated, who get bored. And these things are going to, these things are inevitably going to happen. So the first one is set realistic expectations. Number two is don't be afraid to ask for help. If you have got a huge work project with a massive deadline and it's the beginning of the school holidays and you need to get it done, don't sort of don't try and soldier on and think that you can manage everything and then be stressed and finding it really difficult. Ask for help. There will be other families, there'll be other, uh, you know, your friends or parents at school who are equally juggling. I read a book Anya Hidmarsh, she's book, which I've talked about a couple of times on a couple of other episodes. And she talks about, now she had, you know, she was running a business and had five children. And so what she found that she did was just got together with a whole load of other mums who were equally juggling work or other commitments. And between them, they agreed to take all of the children for certain parts of the summer of the school holidays. So you... Okay, yes, you're probably going to have who knows how many children. You might have 10 children for one week. But in exchange, you get a week where you can get on with that that project that you need to do or that work that you need to do. So don't be afraid to ask for help, whether it's children going to grandparents, to friends for the day, or making up a little bit of a club with a whole bunch of others who are equally got deadlines and you're able to help each other because that's the key thing here. Everybody is juggling. There are very, very few people who are juggling. Well, there are very few people who are going through the holidays without some form of juggle. And to be honest with you, if you're looking after two or three of your own children, sometimes having friends makes it so much easier because it diffuses the sibling situation. And actually, genuinely, that novelty of having new people around makes it so much easier. So please, please do not be afraid to ask for help. And when you're planning, when you're looking at this, at the expanse of the holidays, look at where that might best be needed and ask for help early and don't be afraid. Practice even in front of the mirror asking for help for all of you who are listening to this saying, yeah, I know I should. I say that I'm going to every time and I don't. So make this year, having listened to this podcast episode, the time that you're going to do it. So set realistic expectations. Don't be afraid to ask. Now, let me share with you a sort of strategy that I came up literally and quite genuinely off the cuff one day with my children. So it's called grumble chores and cheerful treats. Now, I don't know about you, but the reality is through the school holidays, 
And in fact, just generally, maybe even at weekends, there are some things that we have to do that our children just don't enjoy, but they have to just come with us and do it. So that might be going to the supermarket, going to the dentist, running some errands, all of those things that sometimes we're not able or the children are old enough to be left at home and they have to traipse around with our little list to do all the jobs that we need to do. And this was one particular holiday and both my children were just whinging, grumbling and moaning. When's it going to end? I'm hungry. Why do we have to do this? Can we go home? I'm bored. You name it. They've done it. And I'm sure you can. It kind of resonates with you. So I decided to set up something. I don't know where the genius came from, but it has been an absolute lifesaver, this particular strategy. And in fact, I would say, well, so obviously don't use it now because my children are that bit older, but they would actually ask for this strategy to be used. Now, I always, always carried a notebook and a pen in my bag, in my handbag, whenever from really pretty much when the children were really little. And it was always there as a, if we find ourselves in a queue or somewhere, um, I can always give them a note, a pen, and then they can draw, or we would do noughts and crosses, or whatever it is. So I had this notepad and um, notepad and pen, and obviously I've got two children, so I set up these columns. So one for my eldest, Charles, and one for my youngest, Catherine. So they had their own little sheet in my notebook, and I simply put two headings cheerful treats and then grumble chores those were the two headings and I simply decided that every time that the children said something in a cheerful way maybe thanked me for something or helped out then they got a little mark against that particular column when they whinged and they moaned and they complained I put a mark under the grumble chores column and it's such a simple exercise all that needed to happen is by the end of the day they needed to have more marks in the cheerful treats column than in the grumble chores column and if that happened then they got a cheerful treat at the end of the day now the cheerful treat was always negotiated in advance it's up to you whether you want to do that I found it was a highly motivating in fact it was very highly motivating by telling them in advance and in fact I didn't choose what the cheerful treat was I asked the children to choose and I can tell you that for my children the cheerful treat that they chose time and time again that they wanted more than anything and my suspicion is your children will equally want to do that is that they wanted to stay up later they wanted popcorn and they wanted to watch a film because in essence that's such a major cheerful treat isn't it being able to stay up a bit later being able to sit on the sofa with some popcorn and some snacks and being able to cuddle down and watch something so we agreed in advance the cheerful treat and ultimately if each child had more marks and their cheerful treats column that's what happened and if they had more marks in the grumble chores they got a chore now you will know from previous episodes i'm not a great fan of the word chore but this is the reality of the you know the strategy that i came up with i think chores sound really mundane and boring but in some ways maybe that's what makes this so particularly useful this strategy So that is it in a nutshell. We came up with all sorts of complicated extra bits that were part of that particular thing as my children got older, but I won't bore you with that. It's simply a mark against each. And it was just, it was so funny. You'd find the sort of like the comments of, oh, mummy, can I help you bring in the shopping? And you'd say, oh, that's really helpful. One would get in there and then the other one would say, oh, can I help you? 
So what happens is they basically find ways of suddenly realising that it is really helpful. The little things make all the difference. Or maybe you've taken them out for, I don't know, a drink and a biscuit somewhere. And one will instantly say, oh, thank you so much. I really enjoyed my biscuit. That was really kind. And it sounds very twee and cliched, but it works massively and it just ups their game because they are so, they're kind of caught into this notion of these cheerful treats and getting the marks. And if one sibling gets in there first, it reminds them, oh goodness me, I need to remember. And I can genuinely, so hand on heart, that particular strategy was one that I introduced one particular school summer holiday and then each holiday after that, the children would say, Mum, are we going to do cheerful treats and grumble chores? So it really, really worked. And in fact, I spoke to, I told the children that I was going to be doing this episode. And I um, said I was going to be talking about cheerful treats and grumble chores. And both of them just smiled. It was, it was one of those, oh, I remember us doing that. It was such good fun. So three strategies so far. Set realistic expectations for yourself. Really, this isn't about... In the context I'm putting it, it is about you. Obviously, we're setting realistic expectations for our children, but let's just start from that realistic place. Number two is don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't leave it to the last minute. Don't put it off. Don't try and martyr and soldier through. Ask for help. Enlist help where you need it rather than trying to juggle everything yourself. Number three is my strategy, uh, cheerful treats and grumble chores, my absolute favourite go-to. Number four is gears. So that's G-E-A-R-S, gears. And we have a resource, we have this as a checklist so that you can give it to your children and you can work through it. Gears is in essence, I'm a, for those of you who know, I have always talked about a morning routine that I created called Shine. And it's all about setting our intentions and setting our day up um, in the right way as parents so that we can then be more present and be the best version of ourselves each day. Gears is a child's version and it's not necessarily specific for the morning, but this is these are five activities that are all about really getting our children into the right mindset that helps them enjoy their school holidays but also gives them some clarity, some structure to their day so that there are these five things that they need to do across the day. You don't have to necessarily be specific when they happen or you might choose to be specific. It's up to you. You can do it in terms of what works best for your family. But it makes sure that our children stay connected with some of the really key things that we want them to be able to do. And it also gives them an opportunity for some of these broader things. So let me just tell you what each letter so gears each letter within gears stands for something g is gratitude e is exercise a is aspiring r is reading and s is service so let me talk to you about them and you the the order in which i would do them is not necessarily the order in which they're spelt but gratitude is a daily practice of gratitude we know that a daily practice of gratitude is a significant um, has a significantly positive impact on our on our mental health and our children's mental health and I think with this with the school holidays it's a really important thing for our children to do regularly is to be grateful even on those days where they feel that they've been bored out of their brains and they've been sat around and they haven't done anything and oh what an awful boring day 
Gratitude helps ground our children. It helps remind them of the small things that make these big, big differences. I'm a big fan of gratitude taking place at the end of the day so we can reflect on the day and think about what we're grateful for. But gears is a daily practice and so gratitude is one of those. So that's gratitude. E is for exercise and it's just an important consideration to remind our children and to remind us that our children need to exercise daily and that exercise should ideally be outside. So it's making sure that our children engage in some form of outside activity, whether that's going for a walk, whether that's going for a cycle, whether it's jumping on a trampoline, whether it's going swimming, playing tennis, playing football, whatever it is, it's that reminder that it's exercise is so important to our well-being. It's so important for our physical health. It's so important in terms of our discharging and emptying our heads of all of that stuff. And it's also a great way of energising us. And so having that as part of our daily practice is really important. So we've got gratitude, we've got exercise. A is for aspiring. In the school holidays, I think it is really important, and we'll talk about it as number five, is that we set challenges for ourselves. Something that we are choosing to aspire to either become or to be able to do. So it's setting ourselves some form of aspirational goal. I've talked about goal setting a lot. I think it's really, really important. So aspiring is simply taking that goal that we have set for ourselves, that challenge we have set for ourselves, and breaking it down and doing something towards that each and every day. Now, we're going to talk about that in a bit more detail with the final strategy. But in essence, what you're doing as part of gears, as part of that regular daily practice of gears, is making sure that something is happening and something is being put in place and exercised and dealt with and done, which gets your child closer to achieving that challenge that they've set themselves. So with gears, we've got gratitude, exercise, aspiring. R is reading. It is really important that our children read regularly. Now, I would love children to see modelled for them us reading for recreation, us reading for enjoyment. And so if we do that, if we practice that regularly, if our children see us taking time out each and every day to just read, this becomes less of a battle. And I know that there are some children who don't read at all. They may read because they have to for school, but otherwise there is no enjoyment. So part of gears, part of the daily practice of gears, is having a regular regular practice of reading. Now, reading doesn't have to be a stuffy book. It doesn't have to be a huge, chunky novel that your child isn't engaging in. It can be a comic. It can be a newspaper. It can be an, a brochure, an article, something which your child does that just helps them see that the process of reading is something that can be used as a relaxing, can be used as something that is for enjoyment. And it's important that we also model that. So the reading, unless you've been specifically set tasks around your children reading certain books and reading to you, this really should be about your child enjoying the process of sitting with some books and just reading and working through those. So gears is gratitude, exercise, aspiring, reading. And then the last one, S, is service. And I love this. 
So in essence, S is about an act of service. It's having our children be aware that each day, what can they do for one other person? An act of service is simply doing something for someone else. Now that might be unpacking the dishwasher. That might be helping a sibling with their Lego project. It might be helping a sibling learn to ride a bicycle. It might be helping a next door neighbor cut cut their grass. It doesn't have to be grand. It doesn't have to be small. It just has to be something that our children are aware that part of their daily practice, part of their expectations each day is that they exercise a level of gratitude that they exercise, that they do something towards their aspiring challenge, that they read something and that they do something that is of service to someone else. So that's gears. And then the final strategy is to set a summer challenge. And this setting of a summer challenge should be for everyone in the family. Everyone takes up a summer challenge and it's up to you. This might be acquiring a skill, it might be learning to ride a bicycle, learning to swim, It might be feeling confident enough to order something when you go to a restaurant or go to a shop. Or it could be something a little bit more challenging. Now, I did this several years ago. Well, I started it several years ago with my children. And their challenge, they had a number of different challenges, but one of them was to feed the family on a budget for the day. So they were given a budget. I think their budget was £20, if I remember rightly. Now, this was some years ago. I think it was probably 10 years ago. And so they basically were given a budget. They had to work out what they were going to cook. So it was for lunch and then for an evening meal. We didn't include breakfast in this. So lunch and an evening meal, they had to plan and they then had to source all of the ingredients. And then I took them to the supermarket and they bought it and then they cooked and presented it. Now, your children, that might not be a suitable challenge, but it's just working out what those challenges are. And that was one of their summer challenges. But what it did do is it taught them so much. So often, I think as parents, we feel that we, our children need to be doing things in the school holidays that is helping them with their academics. So much of these life challenges that we can set, these summer challenges and things that our children aspire to actually have so much more impact. They're so much more interesting for our children to start with and they're so much more impact to them because they teach them the mathematical skills. They teach them all of those things, budgeting and prioritising and time management, organisation, without making it boring and stuffy. It's interesting and it's about being aware of the tastes of everyone in the family. It's about being able to to work out how much is is going to be enough. And actually it's an eye-opener for life skills that they can then go on to use. So I'm a big, big fan of summer challenges. And these shouldn't be things that you necessarily just place onto your children, but should be something that you agree and discuss and talk about and pull together together. And then they can you can work out when goes back to this being organized and planning. You can work out exactly when you can fit those in in terms of what your particular holidays are going to look like, where you might set each of the challenges. It might be that you set a challenge to organize a day a day out. Um, and in fact, each of your trips or you may even set a challenge that your child has to organize the whole family for an entire day, what they're doing. And everybody has to do that. And so each child gets an opportunity to take charge and even parents, you get to do it too. It's just thinking creatively so that we can, we don't have to spend huge amounts of money. We don't have to take our children off to great, greater and grander things in order to have fun. 
obstacle courses in the back garden or uh, or even in the house these are sorts of things that we can try and do and be a bit more creative with so my five strategies just a quick recap are obviously in the context initially is get organized planning is key then it's about setting realistic expectations don't be afraid to ask for help cheerful treats and grumble chores gears that daily practice of gratitude exercise something towards their aspirational goals reading and doing something of service and the last one is set summer challenges for everyone in the family now my give this week is genuinely a bumper pack so we've got the gears template so you can go through that we've got summer challenges we've got all of these various bits and pieces that you can go and grab as part of the resource library so you'll get the these top five strategies as usual in a checklist so that you can use them and annotate them and have them as a reminder but we will also have these other resources so you head over to my free resource library drmaryhan.com forward slash library where you'll find the link to download the resource all you need to do is pop in your email address and you'll get instant access not only to this week's bumper set of resources but all the other resources across all my podcast episodes as ever if you have enjoyed this episode and found it useful particularly this episode you might want to share um, and tell others about it but please please leave a review it means so much to me and is the only way that others who don't know anything about this podcast can find it so if you could follow and review this podcast so that others can find us and we can spread the love so until next time (music) 